Welcome to Spotlight 19. This is Saja Tracy. We have a great show for you coming up. We speak to the founders of Hudson Valley Votes, followed by state senate candidate for District 42, Jen Metzger. This is Justin Tracy. You're listening to Spotlight 19. We're glad you're with us. And just turning to a little bit of what John Faso has been up to this summer,、uh, he spent the summer campaigning here in New York 19 with a lot of the Republican elected officials. As usual, his schedule was never posted in advance, so there weren't very many opportunities to protest his appearances. He did appear in an environmental forum with Antonio Delgado, and although many people believed that this would be a debate, it was actually just a forum. John Faso and Antonio Delgado never appeared on the stage together, but this was back on August 29th, and you can see, you can actually watch the forum on Facebook. And John Fazzo is actually now back in Washington, and we will resume with recapping his votes now that he'll be voting on bills while also campaigning. So that should be interesting. And Antonio Delgado, on the other hand, has received a number of important endorsements at the end of the summer. He just was endorsed this week by Joe Biden. He's endorsed by a number of labor organizations, and we are recording this during the week of Labor Day. He was also endorsed by President Barack Obama. And Antonio actually just announced that he will be having a town hall in each of New York 19's 11 districts. So if you go to delgadoforcongress.com, you can find out more about that. And that's in stark contrast to John Faso, who has yet to have an open town hall here in the district. In fact, his Only town hall that we covered th- this time last summer was on August 31st, 2017, which was closed. You had to have a ticket. It took months of planning by members of Move Forward New York. Since one year ago, John Faso has not had any town hall. He's kind of defaulted to having these telephone town halls that are only announced sometimes just mere hours before they're actually held. So we'll resume with having. The recaps of John Faso's voting record in our next episode. Once he actually has some votes in Washington, and let's turn to some of the great interviews we have for you. First up is Hudson Valley Votes with Jasmine Kay and Liam Khan. You're listening to Spotlight 19. So today we're speaking to Jasmine Kay. She is the deputy political director of Hudson Valley Votes. Liam Khan is one of the founders of Hudson Valley Votes, and they're also involved with the Hudson Valley Votes Youth Initiative. And we're going to be talking to them about how to get young people out to the polls here in New York 19. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for Thank having you. us. So tell us a little bit about your projects here to get. Out the vote for our Hudson Valley youth. Yeah, absolutely.、Um, so Hudson Valley votes started、um, in January 2018. 
um, Liam, along with some fewer people, realized what was going on in our district and thought, we need innovative new ways to reach voters. Um, so Hudson Valley Votes is going to be a big concert on October 20th that's going to bring together community leaders, politicians, activists, all to rally together to fight for progressive values. Um, and in that, um, I'm a college student right now, um, and I've done a lot of political work, and I've always noticed that back home in this district, there was kind of a gap between young people and activists that cared, but people understanding that you also need to vote for elected officials that represent those values. So I had this idea along with Liam to start a youth voter corps focused on getting high school and college students to mobilize, so register to vote and also to get out and realize that, you know, this is not only their future, it's the present moment that's affecting them um, and mobilizing them to use their voices to help elect progressive candidates. Wonderful. And uh, Liam, tell us a little bit more about how you had the idea for Hudson Valley Votes. Uh, so I I moved back full time. Let me interrupt you for one second. You guys are both from Woodstock, right yeah, here in the Woodstock. heart of New York 19. Yeah, yes. right in the both, heart of it. Both from Woodstock. So so funny enough, um, Jasmine and I are both from, from the same hometown. And uh, when I moved back in January of 2018, I looked around and I saw the amount of energy that we had here in New York 19. And I had just spent five years in D.C. and living under uh, the first year of the Trump administration in the nation's capital really kind of made it clear to me that the energy was on the ground and not in the Washington halls of power. We needed to get back to our roots. We needed to have these grassroots activities. But I wanted to do something that would bring together both the arts community in the Hudson Valley and the politics. And I reached out to Abby Aronson, who is the co-creator of Hudson Valley Votes with myself. I literally sent an email, I think it's time we have a party. And she immediately emailed back and said, absolutely, let's do it. And so we came up with Hudson Valley Votes as a way to bring together these two very different eclectic communities and use them to mobilize people to sign up to get out the vote and also to bring a platform to these candidates through the power of music and art. And really, it was important that we do this in this fashion because it is a different way of mobilizing our voters from the young to the old, from all across um, the Hudson Valley, this is how we felt we can really mobilize people to get out the vote for our progressive candidates. Sure. And tell us a little bit more about when, the where, and how people can get involved with the concert and you know potential uh, list of performers. I know it's being rolled out kind of slowly to keep up the suspense and momentum going. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we do have um, we do have our website. It is now live at HudsonValleyVotes.com. You can go there. Uh, some of the our, our major performers, such as our headliner of the evening, Matt, Natalie Merchant, are listed. Uh, we will have more coming on who is performing, who is attending uh, as we as we get closer. Uh, tickets will be on sale soon, and uh, they can email us at HudsonValleyVotes at g email.com. Uh, and I'm going to let Jasmine talk about especially how the youth can get involved, because that's a really important thing for us about about making sure that people our age and younger are involved in these efforts. Yeah. So we're on all social media. It's either Hudson Valley Votes or at 
HV votes. And what we want is we want to make sure that we are bringing these to campuses. So September 27th is National Voter Registration Day, and we want to make sure there are young people registering voters on every high school and college campus in New York 19. So if you're interested and you feel excited or drawn to want to go out and use your voice, registering to vote, and even, you know, I, I in high school, I was 17 when I graduated, so I couldn't vote, but I understood that I had a voice and that the decisions that were happening around me, I was able to influence by helping those who are able to vote and the people that I could elect. So reach out to us on social media or send us an email um, and we'd love to have any young people um, or people regardless get involved. So tell us about some of the organizations that the proceeds of the concert actually go to. When we first started this, we were trying to figure out who exactly we wanted to benefit and why. And certainly we wanted to give a platform to candidates so that they could speak to the populace, especially with, yes, the entertainment, is that is the big focus of the evening. But as you arrive at the venue, you will have the ability, you have the option, and throughout the night you will hear people calling from this onstage, go and sign up to get out the vote. There will be a massive um, volunteer sign-up operation at this event. Uh, and the But what we're going to be raising funds for, though, are those organizations that support the progressive policies that we want to see enacted. So we will be supporting Planned Parenthood of the Mid-Hudson Valley, Moms Demand Action, and New York Immigrant Action Fund. So all of the proceeds from this evening will go towards these organizations in supporting their fight for these progressive policies. And some of the organizations you're uh, supporting, for example, Planned Parenthood and um, Moms Demand Action are kind of uh, potentially alienating to single-issue voters. Obviously, those are not you know, voters, you can, you know, get on board with the progressive platform, but what are some ways that you can make sure this initiative doesn't alienate potential swing voters, which is what will really determine the outcome of the New York 19 congressional election? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but if you have any ideas. I used to uh, do classes and forms, especially on young people, and I'd ask them, who here wants to change anything about society? and every single hand would just raise up. And then I would ask who here now actively goes out and does anything and no, like maybe two hands, like wavering a little bit would stand up. Um, so I think that there is room for anyone who's passionate about any issues, whether that is healthcare, whether that is protect, protecting women's reproductive freedom or gun violence prevention. I think that there is a space to you know, think about those issues and to realize that there's an intersection of a lot of them. And what we hope to do, particularly the Youth Voter Corps, is to create a space for if you care about any issue, there are policies that are happening that affect that. And regardless what it is, I, we hope that this can be an event to celebrate those issues that do energize you. I also think it's important um, to note that I think, unfortunately, with just the way that it, that politics has progressed in this country in the last 20 or so years, I do think that you've seen, uh, you have seen, excuse me, a heavy drop off in the participation of, of youth in politics. And they're not as educated about these issues. A friend of ours, for example, she had no idea that there was something called GENDA, the Gender Non-Discrimination Act that is currently languishing in our state Senate. They're not familiar with these issues. So it's important that we are able to have this, our youth voter corps and, and have the event itself to educate them, to educate the youth um, of New York 19 on these issues 
that are in Congress, the state Senate, uh, even in their own counties. And I think that in that if we do that, we aren't alienating anybody. I think that we're opening them up to the idea that there are policies that they already themselves support, but they don't even realize that currently uh, people who may be in office are not as supportive of them um, as they should be or could be. And it's important for them to get out the vote for candidates who would support these issues. Let's talk about both of you as young people that grew up in this district and Liam as you, someone who has moved back here, con- contrary to John Fazzo's kind of favorite story to tell about all the youth like moving away, which actually is an issue that uh, is real. Um, what are some, what's kind of the top issue for younger people in this district? You know, for older people, we hear about health care and Medicare and housing issues and elder care. But what, what do you find among your peers? Uh, I think, uh, and certainly, and I certainly want to hear Jasmine's opinion on this as well, is she and I constantly have conversations back and forth about the issues. Um, But for me, my two biggest issues, um, one is affordable housing. I don't think that anybody truly understands just how vicious uh, a crisis we are in with affordable housing across the nation. Uh, For example, you saw the defeat of a progressive tax proposal in Seattle that progressives themselves uh, were split on uh, about tax. um, And whether or not the economics of it makes sense, I think is besides the point. The fact of the matter is, is that we progressives ourselves are having difficulty discussing how do we solve this affordable housing crisis. Unfortunately, uh, somebody very near and dear to me uh, is being forced to sell her home, and she's been a 30-year resident of Woodstock because she cannot afford the taxes anymore. And and whether it's the taxes or the flood insurance or the mortgage, it, it all just starts to pile up. So it's affordable housing, and then I think proper infrastructure. We need a light rail system. We need uh, more uh, innovation with green technology in this area. I know that we like to talk about the environment a lot, but we actually need to create progressive policies to bring in green technology for green infrastructure and which could also help solve the affordable housing crisis. But those to me are the two biggest things facing facing youth, affordable housing and infrastructure. So my journey coming back here has kind of been a windy one. Um, I started out as a total activist, so I really wanted to work as, work on issue advocacy. Um, and then I realized that there's only so much you can do from, you know, the outside and then in you need people on the inside also working to implement those policies. Um, so I was fortunate to serve in the Obama administration during the, his final term as an intern um, for Senator Kirsten Gillibrand in her DC office, um, and then locally. But I realized that there, what happens is there's a lot of you know noise. We always talk about what's going on in the Senate, what's going on in the presidency, and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot to be angry about. But what actually happens and affects our daily lives is what's local. It's the roads that you drive on. It's the schools that you go to or your kids attend. Um, and so I felt like my you know, highest way I could do good was to come back here um, and to come back to this district. Um, the biggest issue that I see facing young people here is the opioid crisis. Um, I think that I it's hard for me to think of someone who has not been affected in some way or knows someone, has a friend has, you know, I come back here and I always hear of other, you know, peers I went to school with, I knew that have been affected by it. Um, And I think that it's something that um, touches this community in a lot of different ways. And it's something that we need to, you know, not 
arrest our way out of. We need to have care, and we need to also think about it when we talk about health care, when we talk about policies that matter, uh, because I think it's really affecting this community. And I think it's one thing that young people, uh, and just generally, we don't talk about enough. And I think that that's one issue that I'm really passionate about, talking about having progressive policies and legislation to help address that. Liam and Jasmine, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? Check us out, HudsonValleyVotes.com. And you can shoot us an email at HudsonValleyVotes at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. Uh, Send us pictures, memes, interact with us in any way that you want. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're really excited for what the next couple months are going to bring. It's a, it's, you know... It's a race to the finish now. We're, we're less than 100 days out from the election. Uh, and if we're going to create change in this country, you know, um, we we have to do it every way possible. So uh, please look out for the tickets going on online soon. They'll be on sale. Uh, and also keep checking for updated information about performers, uh, attendees. We have some pretty cool surprises uh, coming down the pike potentially. So keep, uh, keep a lookout. Great. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to Spotlight 19. Now we move to Sasha's interview with Jen Metzger. So today we're here with Jen Metzger. She is running for Senate in the 42nd District, which is we're here in Hurley. We're almost in it, but not quite. Uh, Thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you decided to run for Senate. Sure. So I have been living in Rosendale, raising my family with my husband, John, three sons, uh, for the last 17 years. Uh, For about 10 of those years, I've been involved in local government. I chaired the town's environmental commission for many years. I served as deputy town supervisor, and I'm now in my current term on the town council. Uh, I've also uh, co-founded and direct an organization called Citizens for Local Power. We're dedicated to helping uh, communities shift to a locally-based clean energy economy, one that's affordable, equitable, and we uh, fight unfair utility rate hikes and practices. And I've been, that's pretty much been my, my day job in addition to my town, my town responsibilities. I have a doctorate in political science. I have been uh, a student of government and politics uh, all my life. I've been very an activist working in that area as well. And uh, a strong advocate for our community's health and well-being. Sure. And recently... Uh, with respect to citizens for local power, you were successful, right, in preventing a rate hike that was proposed by Central Hudson. Yes. Well, there. Yes, I, we got involved in the last in the last couple of Central Hudson rate cases, and utilities utilities have to get their rate plans approved by the New York State Public Service Commission. They they typically do this every three years. They're three-year rate plans. And uh, I was a party to both rate cases. And a a big issue for us was the utilities' high fixed charges, so the high fixed customer charges that we all pay, the businesses pay, small businesses pay. Uh, Central Hudson's were, are the high, well, no longer, but they were the highest in the state 
and among the highest in the country. And generally speaking, New York's utility fixed charges across the state are among the highest in the country. It's incredibly uh, unfair uh, to people living on fixed income, seniors, uh, people at the lower income end of the spectrum who tend to use less energy, and they pay proportionately more of the costs. It also, uh, those high fixed charges make it, uh, they basically provide no incentive for people to be efficient or to invest in solar because, you know, no matter how much they reduce their electricity usage, they're still paying these really high fixed costs. So, so anyway, it was a big issue for us to get those reduced. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for that comment. He, he's, uh, he's decrying the fixed, fixed charges. Yes, as he should. It's never too early to start protesting. So anyway, it was, it was a really big deal uh, that it was a really big success to win agreement in this last rate case for Central Hudson to reduce its fixed customer charges by almost 20%. Uh, it, everyone said it couldn't be done because, you know, those charges typically only go up. Uh, but, you know, we worked really hard over over the months. I represented our, our organization in negotiations. And we also had a couple of – so we were working both, you know, inside the process and also outside the process, um, you know, outside the halls of the Public Service Commission. We had a really strong grassroots campaign. So that kind of ties in perfectly to my next question. So these uh – Energy providers are reliant on fossil fuel infrastructure. There are a few projects proposed within the 42nd district. And real quick, just tell our listeners where the 42nd district is. Sure. The question I get most from listeners is like, oh, I'm not in this person's district, but I'm not actually sure whose district I am in. Yeah. And I totally don't blame them for not knowing what district they're in, because first of all, it's a moving target. It's constantly changing because of gerrymandering, redistricting over the years. So you were in one senator's district one year, and then you were not two years later. So the 42nd district covers part of Ulster County, uh, includes Rosendale, Gardner, New Paltz, Wawarzing, Denning, and Shangam, all of Sullivan County, and part of Delaware County, and then the western half of Orange County, down to Tuxedo. So it's about a 2,400-square-mile district. Like the big districts in Orange County are Middletown, Wallkill, Goshen, Warwick, but it's, it's a number of communities. So it's, it's a big district. And we have several fossil fuel projects uh, in, the, in the district uh, at different stages. Um, you know, there's been the CPV plant in Orange County that's, that's been, you know, that's already built. And we have been fighting and successfully kept at bay the proposed Pilgrim Pipelines project, which would have carried millions of gallons of frac crude oil through the district, through our communities, from Albany down to Rockland County. Uh, And that was actually a success. And from that fighting, I organized uh, municipalities in opposition, town, local governments, both Democratic and Republican, in that fight. But I really think a key was getting in there early. We started a year before the company even applied for its first permit. Once the application process starts, once they've gone through the environmental review process, it's very, it's very difficult. So because there is no pipeline, one of uh, 
the ways in which this oil is still carried is through these bomb trains. So what yeah. is, do any of those trains run through your district and what is your they, position on them? Yeah, they do not run through my district. Actually, it's funny, I haven't thought about that in terms of my district because we were fighting this years ago. And, you know, they, they run through other parts of Ulster County right. and other, other areas. You know, as I often say, um, when I'm talking with communities about energy issues uh, and fossil fuel infrastructure, as long as we keep using oil and gas, those projects are going to keep coming. And in New York State, we are big users of oil. You know, we rely heavily on on uh, oil for heating our buildings. Uh, of course, gasoline. <laughs> we we all drive cars. That's a huge percentage of our greenhouse gas emissions is from transportation. So my organization, Citizens for Local Power, we're focused on creating the alternative because without the alternative, these projects will just keep coming. And so what we need to see, we've had a lot of success working with local governments and also helping get utilities to be much more supportive of clean energy programs and projects for their customers within their service territories. We've done a lot, but we need the legislature behind us. So what's the biggest issue that you hear about as you're campaigning, as you're talking to your potential future constituents that uh, comes up, you know, time and time again? There are a lot of affordability issues in the district and in the state generally. Uh, I mean, this is affordability in terms of health care, utility bills, taxes. People really are living paycheck to paycheck. Sure, absolutely. And you mentioned Sullivan County. Uh, One of my questions was specifically about Sullivan County. It's been ranked as uh, second worst in the state for health outcomes. So what are some of your plans to address this issue that, you know, that's not a ranking that you want to have a repeat? So that's really linked to poverty and inequality. New York State, we're one of the wealthiest states in the country, and we have the highest economic inequality in the country, and that really shows in my district. And health outcomes are tied to that. Over a quarter of children live in poverty in Sullivan County. 18% of the population is without health insurance in Sullivan County. That's almost twice the national average. So A few things. I'm a huge proponent of the New York Health Act. So the New York Health Act, uh, which would create a single-payer system here, has been in the legislature for several years. It has one vote short of passing, and I want to be that vote that gets it passed. And to give you an example of the inefficiencies, so it's very much like Medicare for all. To process a Medicare claim, Versus a private insurance claim, a private insurance claim costs seven times more to process than a Medicare claim. So there are huge costs that we can reduce in a single-payer system, and those savings would be passed on to New Yorkers. You also mentioned affordability as one of the issues that comes up as you're campaigning. The Republican line of attack, and I'm sure it's coming this year too, it doesn't usually change, is that, you know, the Democrats are going to raise your taxes. What's your plan to prevent that narrative from taking hold? And also, how can we make sure people can afford to stay in their homes and afford their taxes? I mean, we've talked a little bit about the New York Health Act, which is one way for to bring costs down, but what are some other ways that you're thinking about? The Republicans will always frame things in terms of taxes. 
because that's a buzzword that invokes an emotional response from everyone. In the case of healthcare, you know, when you move to a single payer system, you'll be funding healthcare through taxes as opposed to insurance premiums, right? But what matters is not what you call it, but how much you're spending. What are the costs to families of ensuring that they have the healthcare they need? And that's how we have to discuss healthcare. And shifting to a single-payer system is going to greatly reduce the costs that people bear in healthcare, And that's really all that matters. In terms of reducing economic inequality, putting more money in working people's pockets, we need tax reform in New York State. And this has been eluding the legislature, and we really have to focus on that if we're going to start making progress in in closing the income gap and improving quality of life in my district and everywhere else. We fund schools primarily through property taxes. This is a really regressive tax that bears no relationship to what people actually earn. And in rural areas, it's particularly punishing. And I've met seniors that are paying 20% of their fixed income in property taxes. And, you know, just from in my own personal experience, I can tell you in, in my town, we had an incredible community elementary school. My oldest son went all the way through. Everyone loved that school. People in other districts wished they were in that school, <laughs> their kids were in that school. Uh, when my twins were in second grade, The school was shut down and for budgetary reasons, and we fought it unsuccessfully. It divided the community. It pitted seniors (laughs) against, you know, parents. uh, And and you could understand their position because they just can't afford to stay in their homes. You know, the the property taxes were too high, and so they, they wanted to reduce those costs. That is not how it should be. We should all be rallying around strong public schools. This is actually what's going to, you know, lift our economy and improve everyone's quality of life is ensuring that we have good, strong public education. New York instituted a millionaire's tax. I think it was in 2008 or 2009. In in the time since, we had a 50% growth in the number of millionaires living in New York. So they, they clearly didn't run away from this new tax. We have these four great women who are running throughout the congressional district for uh, Senate seats. um, And I believe everyone's a first time, you know, Senate candidate, with the exception of you, who have has held, um, is it elected local office. Um, But one of the reasons that it's so important to me as a young woman in this district is, you know, the um, Roe v. Wade is... um, just on the line with the potential appointment of Justice Kavanaugh uh, that's looming. And one of the ways to combat it is to pass a constitutional amendment in New York to protect that right to choose or other legislation. So what are some of your positions and plans to uh, protect a woman's right to choose? And there has been uh, legislation in New York, Reproductive Health Act or RHA, which uh, would essentially codify Roe v. Wade. It would move abortion out of the penal code, (laughs) which is, you know, it's where it's been for forever, uh, uh, you know, into health code and treat it as a health issue. And this is now more important than ever 
with you know the the possibility that we're going to have an an anti-choice majority on the Supreme Court. So there's a lot on the line in getting candidates into the state Senate that are strong on women's issues on on and women's issues are everyone's issues. They're they're families' issues. They're they're this is about public health. It's about also really what's good for the economy again, you know, so but we need champions of those right. issues in um, the state Senate. So let's talk a little bit about the fact that we were supposed to have a Democratic majority in, I believe, 2012, when the Democrats for the first time uh, won a majority in the Senate. But then there were some defectors and there's been a lot of talk and criminal indictments in Albany. What are some of your plans to combat corruption is the only way to combat corruption through campaign finance reform, or is there a little bit more to that? In my view, our campaign finance laws are a a legal form of corruption. I mean, we, we allow corporations to contribute directly to candidates, which our congressional candidates can't take contributions from corporations. It's pretty crazy that they can in New York. There are a couple of things that need to be done. I want to see an elimination of corporate contributions entirely from New York. We have to close what's called the LLC loophole, limited liability corporations. Uh, The loophole is essentially a business could set up really as many LLCs as they wanted. There's no limit, multiple LLCs. And uh, they have, there's no transparency behind, behind the LLC. You have no idea who it is that is behind that, what companies they are. And they have, they get to contribute the extremely generous individual contribution limits in New York State. Sure. And you are uh, up for a primary election, which is on September 13th. I know that elections are, election law in New York is very confusing. It's kind of antiquated. Do you have any, given that you have this primary, and I've talked to a lot of voters that are confused because they just voted in a primary in June. Uh, They didn't even know there was a September primary. Could you speak a little bit on any plans that you have to change some of our arcane election laws? I personally would like to see New York State move to a vote-by-mail system like they have in Oregon and Colorado. In both those states, it greatly improved voter participation. They have incredible uh, voter participation rates, and it addresses a lot of problems. It eliminates the possibility of voter intimidation that does happen. (laughs) And there there are voting irregularities at polls all the time. And it's extremely costly to run elections. It's, it's very costly. And actually, in my rural district, they're having a really hard time even finding people to be election monitors, which is a 12-hour job, you know, and that requires training. And so it's, it's, it would save the state a lot of money that could be invested in other, more, other uses. So... If people want to volunteer or learn more about you, I know you have 42 reasons to contribute yeah. $10 for Jen, which I love. Uh, I think it it shows that you, you know, there are so many reasons that people should get involved with your campaign yeah. and uh, they should be sure to vote on September 13th. Absolutely. You can vote if you're 
unaffiliated, uh, yes, which is the, also very confusing. Yeah, so um, I can just quickly yeah, say something about absolutely. that. So, so, so uh, the, the Reform Party, it's actually a very small party. I think there are only some 40 enrolled Reform Party members in my district out of hundreds of thousands of, of voters. But last year they changed their bylaws so that people that are not in a party at all could vote in their primary. Uh, the Reform Party endorsed my Republican opponent, but my Democratic opponent <laughs> opened up, it's called an opportunity to ballot. She right. opened it up so that there would be a primary. So on primary day, if you're an unaffiliated voter, you can go to your, your polls and they'll give you a Reform Party ballot and print it on it. It will have the endorsed Republican candidate's name and then it'll have a blank in which people can write in uh, my name, <laughs> which I hope they will do. So, so there's an opportunity to win on that line as well. I'm endorsed by Working Families Party, Women's Equality Party, uh, and you know, hopefully we'll be on the Democratic line as well. But it's really important for people to come out and vote. I know we're doing, we're we're working really hard to get you know, get people out. And if people want to get involved in the campaign, this is a real grassroots campaign. We feel that component of it is critical to winning. It's, it's the most important part. And we have many volunteers that have signed up to help over well over 300. I'm not sure the exact number at this point. But oh, oh we have 500 volunteers signed up. So <laughs> which is Fantastic, and says a lot about the energy behind this campaign, but we can always use more volunteers. So if you're interested, if anyone's interested in doing that, and there are many different ways to help. Some people hate making phone calls or, you know, are shy about going door to door, but there are other things people can do. So you can go to the website, jenmetzger.com, and you can click on there to volunteer or if you want to be involved in my 10 for Jen campaign and contribute, you can also contribute as well on the website. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. It sounds like you have a lot of great plans for your district that we hope will come to fruition on November 6th. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Spotlight 19. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back very soon with an interview with Tistria Hotling, and we will hear from Antonio Delgado. Please remember to vote in the New York State primary on Thursday, September 13th. And until next time, keep the faith.